0: Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. And speak to us on what I've titled, The Knowledge of Him. If you're writing your note, and you should be, put down there, The Knowledge of Him. The Knowledge of Him. To help you understand what I mean by the knowledge of Him this morning, I look at the days in which we live And there is an abundance of the knowledge of the Bible. The knowledge in the body of Christ has actually grown exponentially in the last 50 years or thereabout. The amount of resources that are there available for the Christian today is actually a lot. Electronic resources. My my grandfather was a church planter. But he never knew, he he never had any Bible apps to to help him read the Bible. But today, there are all kinds of resources that we have. I remember, I was saying to them in last weekend as well, I remember when I was younger, that we used to have, we had these, like, um, quiz, Bible quiz. And the Bible quiz would be, they would call a place in the Bible, they would call Nahum. And then whoever can open it first is the winner. How many people still remember that? Now, how do we do that today? <laughs> it will be about who can type faster. <laughs> who, can, who can, you know, so things have moved on exponentially. And while that is good, the danger that is in that is that it masks for us the fact that even though the knowledge of the Bible has grown, the knowledge of God in the church has diminished. The Old Testament saints, if somebody says, I've been a Christian for 10 years, I've been a Christian for 20 years, you will expect to meet a man, a woman that has walked with God and knows God. Today, we're a group of people who know scriptures, We can quote scriptures and we can do all kinds of things with them. But there is an obvious problem that is being hidden behind. And that is the fact that we don't know him. My prayer for us this morning is that God will open our eyes to see the gap between our knowledge of him and what is to be known about him. I pray that you will see this morning in the scriptures that we read that God really is not hiding himself. A lot of the scriptures we'll read this morning actually says that actually God is there. He's there to be found if only somebody will seek to know. And I'm trying to separate for us today knowledge of the Bible, um, service in church, and all that from knowing God. I want to show us that to know God should be the main goal of your life as a child of God. When we give our life to Jesus, there must be that drive in us. I want to know him. Like I said, I pray that an, oh, that hunger will be created in every one of our hearts that drives us to pray. And the way that I will do this this morning, as far as time allows me, is I want to read three scriptures as, as my basis for my message. I'll take quite some time to read those three scriptures, make a few comments on them. And when I finish reading them, what you will find is that you, we've almost finished everything I want to say. Because from those scriptures, if they speak to you, you already see what I'm talking about. About the knowledge of God. And then, if time allows me, I'll make one or two or three points, and then we're ready to pray. So, let's go and read our three scriptures. We'll read from Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read from Second Peter chapter 1. And then we'll read from Acts chapter 17. Those, those are our three bus stops, if you like, this morning. And I want you to please take your Bible and read along with me. let the holy spirit himself the teacher of the church teach you all the scriptures i'm reading today are common church scriptures but i'm trusting that light will shine in them and in these scriptures today you will see that the thing that is utmost on the mind of god is to reveal himself to us so let's begin from ephesians chapter one everybody turn your bibles i know we have it on the screen but i want you to turn your bibles and look in your bible such that you can take notes in your Bible, you can mark things in your Bible, you can highlight things in your Bible, which you cannot do on our screen. You can only do that for yourself. So, Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse 15. Let's begin from there. Verse 17 is where I'm going, but let's just begin for completeness in verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible says, "Where also, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, so Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he has heard about them and is now trying to bring them to more maturity. He said, After I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That's pastoral. He's, he's saying, I'm praying for you. I'm making mention of you in my prayers. And what is he praying for them? Verse 17. He said, what I'm praying for you is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I'm praying that he will give something to you. And this morning, like Paul, I am also praying that God will give this thing to you. What is this thing? He says that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of, scriptures talk to me everybody and the knowledge of scriptures now we've known the scriptures for a long time Ephesians 1 verse 17 we've prayed it we've done all kinds of things with it I've known it since I was since I gave my life to Jesus and the way that I came to understand it and maybe many of you as well is when I pray this prayer I'm praying that God give me eyes of revelation give me the spirit of wisdom so that when I read the Bible I will catch revelation from the Bible I will understand what the Bible is saying. But actually, while that is good, that's not what this prayer is. That was not the prayer that Paul was praying. Paul was not praying for people to understand the Bible. He said, look at it again. And I'm challenging whatever we've known till now. Ephesians 1 verse 17 said, I'm praying that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you that is a supply that God gives. And the result of that supply is what I'm trying to make you see. He says, God gives unto you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Those are anointings. Those are graces that God brings upon somebody that you will just be wise inside you. You, Your eyes will open and you will have the spirit of revelation. But that wisdom and that revelation, what it shows you is the knowledge of him. Somebody look at your neighbor for me this morning. He said the knowledge of him. So, while God's focus has always been on revealing himself, the church has diverted focus to doing some mental work in scriptures, and then we know the Bible, we can quote the Bible, we can do all of that, but I'm trying to make us see this morning that the supply that God gives us results in the knowledge of him. The early church, you will find as you read scriptures, placed a very high premium on knowing God. We must as well in the Latter-day Church. We must. My, my job as a pastor is to draw us into that. Somebody say with me one more time this morning, the knowledge of Him. I pray that understanding comes in this house this morning in the name of Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's go there. We'll read three, script, three verses there. I said to you I want to read, I'll read three scriptures. The first one is what you already saw in Ephesians chapter 1 where God gives unto us the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the result of it is the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. 2 Peter chapter 1, let's flip there again, find it in your Bible, and let's make sure we understand these things. I don't want to rush. I want to make sure everybody understands. 2 Peter chapter 1, if you found it, can you give me a good amen? Amen. Very good. Verse 1, 2 Peter 1 verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Then in verse 2, it begins to teach what I want to teach. is said, Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Those are two very powerful things. So it's praying for them that those two things will be multiplied unto them. Before I read further, let's look at these two things grace and peace. The word grace here is the word carries, which speaks about favor. And the word peace there is actually not the absence of war. The word peace there is irene in the Greek, which actually means prosperity. That's what he's talking about. So when he says grace and peace in Second in Peter 1 verse 2, he's saying favor and prosperity be multiplied unto you. How many people would like to get, get some of that prayer this morning? Okay, not many people. Any, any other person? Some, some, some grace multiplied unto you. Some favor multiplied unto you. I said some prosperity multiplied unto you and Peter is teaching here and you better open your eyes and open your heart to see what is the process through which grace and peace what is the process through which favor and prosperity is multiplied unto you he says it is multiplied through what talk to me everybody through what he says grace and peace favor and prosperity they are multiplied unto you and the avenue through which that multiplication happens I'm reading scriptures this morning these are not my words it says they are multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ you will notice here that it did not say through the knowledge of the bible it says that it's talking about the knowledge of him the knowledge of God <laughs> May your eyes and my eyes open to know him this morning in Jesus' name. Verse 4, verse 3 continues. So we see already, if if I just stopped, I could just stop and camp in 2 Peter 1, verse 2 this morning. That's powerful. That's big already. The avenue through which grace, the avenue through which carries, through which prosperity is multiplied is through the knowledge of him. If I know him, no wonder if you look through scriptures, people that walked with God and got to know God, we never found any one of them that didn't have testimonies in their lives of it wasn't my hand, it was just the favor of God. We never found any one of them who you will say, oh, that person was a friend of God, he walked with God and he was a poor man. Nah, we don't find it in scriptures. You see here this morning, the Bible says these things are multiplied Through the knowledge of God. Everybody said the knowledge of God. Okay, verse 3. Verse 3. It says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. Somebody say all things. things. This is the Bible this morning. It says his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's a good promise right there. He has given unto us all things. And again, he says, these all things have been given to us through what? Through what, people? The knowledge of him. him. Are you beginning to see the Bible this morning? He says he has given unto us all things. He has given unto us all things. But all things he has given to us, the key to them is through the knowledge of him. The devil will do everything. I'm actually beginning to find that the devil doesn't even mind us knowing the Bible. It doesn't, if the Bible teaches us that even demons quote scriptures, it doesn't even mind us knowing the Bible as long as we don't get to know God. The Bible says here this morning, it says all these things are multiplied to us through the knowledge of him. If you're writing notes, write this simple thing in your notes, which is of course obvious from here. All things come from knowing him. All things come from knowing Him. All things come from knowing Him. Let me move on quickly to my third scripture. Acts 17. Acts chapter 17. Let's take it from verse 22. Verse 27 is really where I'm going. I'll read verse 22 and 23. For the sake of time, I'll skip in the middle. I'll go to verse 27. Acts 17 is our third scripture this morning time we finish reading this one, everybody will just sort of see what we're talking about very clearly, very clearly. Acts 17 from verse 22. So this is Paul. He had been preaching and then he got to Athens and he's been, he's been arrested and he's standing before um, a kind of parliament and he's defending himself. And look at his words. Is everybody there? Acts 17. Talk to me, everybody. Are you there? Very good. Verse 22. He says, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. Mars Hill is like the parliament of the day. And he said unto them, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Meaning they were religious. He says, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions. These were devoted people, religious people. If you, if you like, you can compare them in our day to church people. They were going to church. They were devoted. They, were, they had their things. He said, as I passed by and I beheld your devotions, I found an altar. Listen closely to Paul here. He said, I found an altar with this inscription. And the inscription on their altar which is many times the inscription that should be on our altars. We don't write it, but that's our situation. It says they have their worship is to the unknown God. (laughs) It says that they were religious, they were doing things, but even they themselves realized we don't know him that we're worshiping. So they wrote it themselves to the unknown God. Paul then said to them, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. The question I'm asking this morning and the core of my message is this. How do we go from the unknown to the known God? How does worship stop to be ignorant worship? He said to them, whom um, um, you ignorantly worship. We've come to church this morning. We've lifted our hands in worship. We've done all of that. But do we know him? To him we sing? Do we understand him, to whom we pray? So he was sent to them, he said, I, I agree with you that you are worshipping an unknown God. You are, you, you, your worship is ignorant because you don't even know who you're worshipping. So how do we stop this? How do we move from the unknown to the known? How do we stop ignorant worship? And the answer is in verse 27. Everybody jump down to verse 27. Verse 27. Are you still with me this morning? Very good. Verse 27. The Bible says, this is, this is how we will go from unknown to known. This is how ignorant worship will stop. It's God said to them that they should seek the Lord. That they should seek the Lord if aptly they might feel after him. I want you to feel after the scripture this morning. Feel after the scripture this morning. It says that they should, this is how we will go from the unknown to the known God. We will begin to seek the Lord. We will feel after him. And I love the next statement. It says, and. Everybody say, and. I says, if we seek after him and feel after him, the result of it is we will find him. <laughs> I said, we will find him. Yes. Can I get a better image? I said, I said we will find him. Yes. And the reason we will find him, we're still in verse 27. The reason we will find him is this. He says, he be not far from every one of us. Somebody said with me this morning, God is close to me. God is near to me. So as it can be so near yet so far. So God said to them, so what are you going to do to make sure that I start to be to you just this unknown God is you are going to seek me, you are going to feel after me, and if you do that, you will find me. Do you know something? A church never finds God. A city never finds God. A nation never finds God. A family never finds God. Individuals find God. And that's why God said to them, he said, you will now begin to seek after me, you will feel after me, and then you will find me. And then when you find me, you will find out that I was always close by. Does this make sense to you this morning? Does this invite you this morning? That's what I'm talking about here. He says, let me read this verse 27 to you from the the TPT. He says in verse 27, the Passion Translation, he says, He has done this so that every person, listen, every person will long for God. Every person will long for God. We fail as a church if we don't succeed to make the attendees long for God. A service fails if people come to the service and there is nothing that is drawing them thereafter to long for God. If all that we bring is that people then long for the next message, long for the next worship service, long for the pastor, long for the worship leader, or long for the fellowship, and all of those things that we do, we fail. He says, God did all of this so that every person will long for God, listen on, he says, they will feel their way to him. Everybody will feel, it's as if we're in the dark, and we're feeling our way to him. (laughs) <laughs> he says, and they will find him, for he is the God who is easy to discover. <laughs> Somebody said to your neighbor this morning, he is easy to, it's easy to discover. It's easy to discover. If only, he said, what you will do is this, you will seek for me, you will feel after me. Oh, we're a very, very busy generation. We're a generation of people who don't have the time. And I, I want to make it my job this morning and many, many mornings after this after this morning to begin to call you, to to beg you, to push you, to pull you, to do whatever I can do to you to make you seek after him, to make you feel after him. Because the more you feel after him, the more you seek after him, the more you find him, the more you know that God is close to you. Church becomes church. The power that should be in a church service becomes the power that should be in a church service when everybody or at least the majority of people sitting in the service can say, at least a little bit, I know God. I found him myself. Every time we come in a service like this, it should be powerful. I was listening to somebody say that um, a a, a person came to a church service and in their minds, they came and said, I'm going to go to church for the last time. I will pray And after the service, because I've lost all hope, I'll pray, and after this service, I'm going to go and kill myself. the person came to the service, enjoyed the worship, enjoyed the message, left the service, and went to commit suicide. And as I listened to that, I said, there's something wrong with our service. There's something wrong with our gathering. If somebody can be that close to death and actually come and sit under the atmosphere, and we do all of our jamboree, and we do all of that, and there is nothing that arrests the man. Is anybody feeling along with me this morning? There must be. In that service that we had in Kuwait last weekend, quite a number of things, but one of them that interested me was, I didn't know this, there was in the service, three people that had been, they had had a very deep quarrel, and they had not spoken to each other, I can't remember if it was for months or years, had not spoken to each other, and they were, all three of them were in that service, and they had actually been coming to church together, and they just, just ignored each other. They, they, that battle was so strong. There, there was such power in that service. We finished the service, and nobody did anything. The three of them just came together, held hands, cried together, and suddenly and began to laugh together. <laughs> What happens? So, somebody says, oh, let's, let's wait and let pastor give a word of knowledge. I had no idea. If it was going to be based on me, they will be fighting forever. <laughs> but in, in, in a service, when the people of God come together like we have come together this morning, all things are possible. I said all things are possible. <laughs> let me read a couple of things to us this morning just for my thoughts. God cannot be known after the flesh or mentally discerned. God cannot be known after the flesh or mentally discerned. He is a spirit and can only be known by revelation. No wonder Paul prayed that prayer in Ephesians 1 verse 17, that God will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. <laughs> He's a spirit and he can only be known by revelation. When we finish our fasting this year and we come to the encounter room, I beg every one of you, one of the things you should put on your heart, don't come to the encounter room with minor, small, small physical problems. Come there looking for God. (laughs) There's there's that thing about when God sees it, God just reveals, sheds light on himself. And you see him like you've never seen him before. When you come to the encounter room, be looking for him. If God doesn't show himself, you cannot see him. (laughs) If God doesn't show himself, you cannot see him. But if you seek him, he is there. Don't make a point, you can summarize it in your own way. God cannot be known after the flesh, nor mentally discerned. If he doesn't show himself, you cannot see him. But if you seek him, you will find he is there. I'm not talking about seeking him for things, I'm talking about seeking him for him. <sighs> then God will reward you with himself. The Lord taught me this, that the Bible was actually written to reveal the writer. <laughs> the Bible was not written to give us something, you know, some, something, I think I was saying this to us when we did the faith series last year. The Bible was not written to give us scriptures so that we can use it to hold God and say, God, see what you promised, you must do it for me. Actually, the Bible was written to help us get the heart of the writer. So when I understood that, every time, say I read in John chapter 6, for example, and I see where Jesus and there was a crowd that was following him, and then the evening came at the end of the service, and the disciples said, Um, are we going to send them away? And Jesus, in his compassion of his heart, said, oh, we can't send them away like this, they're gonna faint on the road. Let's try to find something for them. Somebody else will read that scripture, and all you are seeing there is your greed is making you look for more food. They're saying, Hey, God can multiply food, uh, a basket and all that. But what I see there is the heart, what kind of heart makes a man say, No, I love these people, I can't let them just die. His heart is what is revealed in it more than the baskets of food. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Yes, Those are two different ways of reading the Bible. The Bible was written, my friends, to reveal the writer. Many of us know the Bible, but we, we haven't come to know the God of the Bible. My singular focus, therefore, this morning is to create hunger in Him for us. Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to Mo at thestonechurchberline.com. God bless you.